Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome to another very exciting episode, our last winter break episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Ooh. It's pretty exciting. Well, pretty you know, and, and given that it is our final winter break episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, I thought it fit to celebrate the occasion by uh, embracing myself for about eight to ten inches of snow, supposedly overnight. Oh, shit. Are you guys getting snow tonight? <laughs> yeah, supposedly. <laughs> You know, we have been below freezing, like, you know, down into the teens for the last three days. And let me tell you, we don't typically do that here. No. Yeah. Yeah. And you typically don't get eight inches of snow, do you? No, no. no. I mean, and, and here's the thing. One, two inches of snow turns into like Mad Max beyond Thunderdome outside. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I mean, seriously, like places that would normally take you 15 minutes to get to will take you about two hours to get to because you're avoiding literally flipped over cars and you know just like it is just like armageddon outside oh yeah um, so with eight to ten inches of snow and it, it is not uh forecasted to go anywhere below or anywhere above i should say the mid-20s for the next four or five days i i, I think we're pretty huh. much snowed in for the next couple yeah. days you're working from home the rest of the week i am i am yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well you know we're recording this on january 3rd and um, I would like to say that from Saturday forward, we have not been above freezing until today. Wow. And um, <laughs> we had very little precipitation. When I say very little, it was, like, it was like drizzle a little bit on New Year's Eve, right? But it, it froze and black ice on the road. And don't, don't get me wrong, that's nothing to mess around with. But that was the only precipitation we had, Paul. And there was a mad run at the grocery store because it was cold. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, the grocery stores today, like hour long waits to check out at the grocery store. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I didn't go, but I saw pictures of the lines and yeah, it was bad. Well, we went to the grocery store yesterday and it's come bone dry. Bone dry, Paul. It was just cold. And don't get me wrong, freak ass cold. It was like Andorian freeze your butt off cold outside, right? I mean, right. it was it was it was blue alien cold, okay? <laughs> and I mean, but that's it. And people had hit the place like that. That's it. You know, the the world is over. Zombie apocalypse. You have to go buy all of the ding dongs at the store. I mean, the the the, the shelves were bare, bare, Paul. Wow. This is why we need replicator technology. I agree. Because damn it. I'm you know, I'm it's not like I can order a pizza and I don't like yeah. those I don't like those toaster pizzas. I'm sorry. Well maybe maybe you could have a hot pocket. Hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
So I have nothing to do but sit and contemplate my navel and possibly uh-huh. also the uh, Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie. I tell you what, you know, you and I talked about that several weeks ago before it broke in the news. Right. And we were just talking about the about how Tarantino's always talked about wanting to have a, a make a make a Star Trek film. And now it's an actual thing. Um, now, granted, the movie's not been greenlit yet, but they have staffed a writer's room. Yeah. And they, Tarantino is breaking story with this staff of writers and they've got real writers. They got the guy who wrote The Revenant. Yeah. Mark uh, Smith heading, from The Revenant. Yeah. Heading up the damn writer's room. I mean, it's real life talent. It's not just a bunch of yetzes where like J.J. Abrams is trying to hold on to the property. I mean, it seems like they're putting forth a real effort here. And the fact that Quentin Tarantino – now, it is shocking to me that, you know, one of Quentin Tarantino's stipulations for being involved was that it was, you know, that he would have free reign to make an R-rated Star Trek movie. That is not to say that it is going to be an R-rated Star Trek movie, but it could be. Right. right? I mean – if he directs it, it's more likely that it will be. I don't know if he will direct it because for him to direct it, we won't see it until 2020. Yeah, it's a, it's a ways out. Yeah, yeah because he, you know, he is he is just about to start filming his next film about the Charles Manson murders, right? Um, which is scheduled to be released in 2019. So you know, we're not looking at this until 2020 at the earliest, which seems. Like either they're doing away with the 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 JJ verse or well no because JJ's involved it just it's but it's surprising no to me that they would be willing to wait for him. There's no guarantee though that this is a a Kelvin universe film. No, um, and and that's one of the things that has me excited about it is that it could be something completely other. Than Kelvin universe doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, our standard canon Trek universe, but it's going to be something else or it could be something else. Right now, the, the fact that the possibilities are endless rather excites me. But, you know, you may be saying, Paul, Paul, you may be saying, Aaron, you're kind of a Star Trek purist. What do you think about an R-rated Star Trek? You might be saying that. And to that, Paul, I say, you know, we're right now in a, in a world where Star Trek is kind of turned on top of its head and we're kind of getting R-rated Star Trek on Discovery anyway because we, we've got F-Trek <laughs> yeah. going, on, going on right now. Um, I am open to an artist such as Quentin Tarantino. I'm not saying I'd be open to that with anybody, but I, I have a great deal of respect for the work that Tarantino does. Um even the, even his films that I have not enjoyed quite so much, I have still valued the art. And I also know that he is a diehard Star Trek guy, that he is somebody who, who respects the material. So I've got my fingers crossed that uh, if he does produce a Star Trek film, if he directs a Star Trek film, uh, that it would be something worth watching. And I, I would hope that the, the reason that it, it kind of excites me beyond, hey, it'd be some additional Star Trek – is that it would get us away from some of the things that have driven me crazy about J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams' Star Trek and maybe do something, you know, just completely new. And if it sells, Paul, they'll make more of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it could bring more people into the fandom. And I think that's that's critical. And my, my only objection to an R-rated Trek is that we need Star Trek that the younger audiences can access. And I agree right. with that. That's that's my concern because we don't have that. Yeah. We don't have that with Discovery. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a bit concerning that uh well, that they I, would that I, they would be willing to alienate that audience. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think that 
that you, you've got to have a certain level of cool factor that is accessible to that younger audience. And, you know, the original series uh, certainly had it. Next Generation certainly had it. And I think that we have seen that diminish over time. Um, and, I, you know, J, one of the things that frustrated J.J. Abrams about the Kelvin Universe films is that they weren't able to sell the toys, right? Yeah. He thought, hey, I'm making a Star Trek movie. I'm going to sell me some phasers. And they didn't. The toys that continued to sell were original series toys yeah. and probably to guys like me over the age of 40, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I, I'm hopeful uh, that this jazzes the fandom. It, it worries me that it, that it might not uh, draw in the kiddos, but uh, I, I, I hope that it jazzes the fandom. But, you know, so where I, I think I'd go ahead. I'm actually, sorry. before we move on from this, I do want to say something in regards to this Tarantino track. Um, because I, I know the fandom is general. I, I don't even want to say split because I think the split is more 80 full, 80% against and 20 towards if you're looking at hardcore Star Trek fans, right. right? I think a lot of hardcore Star Trek fans are, are very, um, very concerned about this R rated Tarantino track and it not being pure track. You may, you use that term pure track and I'm going to say something rather controversial here. Oh, look at controversial, him. like Quentin Tarantino controversial. <laughs> okay. I don't believe there's room in today's market for pure Trek. You know, it's something I, I've been thinking about over this last, you know, the, these, these last weeks in the, um, in the winter season, the winter break. Um, and while we we're going to talk about two Trek like properties, um, neither are pure Trek. In fact, both of them are, are uh, one of them is, is more pure Trek than the other uh, for sure. But I, I think for a property to be lucrative in the way that they want Star Trek to be lucrative, um, I don't think there's room in the marketplace for that. I think they, they, they either have to change the modern interpretation of Trek, much like, to a certain extent, Star Wars has done, or accept the fact that Star Trek will always be a property that doesn't make as much money as others. I, you know, I, I, I would say... That I agree to, with you to a certain extent. Um, I think that, that Star Trek has to change just like pop culture changes, you know, from generation to generation. It has to. Otherwise, it's just stale. You're just watching nostalgia, right? Um, I think that the things that have to remain true to Star Trek are exploration. I think people are tired of – I think the, I think the reason why films such as uh, – uh, Into Darkness did not perform as well as hoped was because of how dark the film was. Uh, I would not lump Nemesis or Insurrection into that because I think they were, those were both inferior films. But I, I, but I think that Into Darkness was just dark and not nearly as swashbuckling fun. And so because it wasn't as fun as the 2009 film – um, you didn't have enough. You didn't have as many people turn out for Into Darkness, and you still had fewer turnout for Beyond, which was arguably a brighter, funner movie than Into Darkness. Um, but you know, you just didn't have the audience for it. Um, and I think that's why uh, Paramount's been reluctant to make a fourth Star Trek film until now. Yeah, I would agree. You know, you know, miss, uh, but, and, and actually missing the anniversary because of it. Yeah, and I think there's a place for darkness in Star Trek. I mean, I deeply love the Dominion War in Deep Space Nine mm -hmm. because it wasn't just, hey, there's all these bad men. They were they were examining moral issues in each of those stories. 
you know, and you you had the the morality plays, which I think is fundamental to Trek. I mean, you've got the the exploration, you've got the the brightness and and uh, you know, uh, you know, hopeful view of the future. But you also have morality plays, right? It, it asks big questions, and that Paul is what I think is so wonderful about the Orville on Fox. I agree. Um, you know, I've had a number of our listeners say, "Man, you really ought to be watching the Orville." You know, you're really going to get some Star Trek out of the Orville. And there are some things that annoy me about the Orville. Uh, but what doesn't annoy me are the big, bold swings that the writers make at asking big questions about our society. Um, I watched an episode uh, over the holidays. One of the great things about the winter break from Discovery is that I've been able to get caught up on the Orville. And I'm only about two or three episodes back. But one of the episodes that I recently watched was Cupid's Dagger. It's the episode in which Rob Lowe guest stars as the alien who's in heat and kicking out all these pheromones that are attracting uh, people's of both sexes to him, we find out. And the thing that I'm amazed at about that episode is that they did something that Star Trek would just never do. <laughs> Not only does Rob Lowe, the, the you know, pheromone-emitting alien, seduce Kelly, uh, Commander Kelly, you know, ship's first officer, who is also the uh, – you know, he is also the alien who uh, she, quote, cheated uh, on the captain with back before he was the captain. And so, you know – uh, back when they were married, we he also manages to seduce the captain, you know, Seth MacFarlane's character. Yeah. And I mean, there is an actual line in that episode. And I know it's kind of played for laughs, but, you know, he, he's he's like, you know, the only thing I want to command right now is your booty, you know, something like that. I mean, it's yeah. you know, a very sex, sexual comment that he makes to Rob Lowe. And Rob Lowe's amazing in this episode, by the way. He's he's just this really mellow, jackass sort of guy <laughs> that uh, you just really need to kick off your ship the minute you see him. You know, he he uh, yeah, you just you just got to kick him off your ship. But uh, I was amazed because you know, Next Generation did an episode very similar to this, uh, not played for laughs at all, where. Commander Riker is attracted to a uh, alien woman or an alien person who is, uh, you know, th their race is non-gendered, right? They are neither male nor female, but she felt differently than uh, the rest of her race. She felt female, and you know, there there is this whole metaphor about you know sending her to. Uh, one of uh, you know something that we might call a a reeducation uh, camp for uh, for people who are you know uh, who identify incorrectly per the per the per the community right you know she was she was quote a deviant and uh, needed to be corrected but you know they never closed that gap they never had Riker have sex with somebody that was quote non gendered they never even though they were they were moving towards that. Uh, Seth MacFarlane in the Orville leans right into that. And I, I was just I was really amazed at that. Um, they're not shying away from from those kinds of questions. And, you know, and it's not the, the first gender identity question that this show has addressed. Uh, you know, the Borta, right? Borta. Yes. Is that his name? Uh, you know, his his race is all male. And, you know, he lays an egg 
and turns out that their their child uh, is born female, and so they make the decision to you know have an operation and make the child male so that it'll fit in. I mean, they're asking some really big bold questions on the Orville, and, and damn it, Paul, I rather respect that. Yeah, I agree. I think it is a here's the thing. I think Orville has consistently gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first episode was the weakest of the bunch. And it's funny because if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, and not that I'm I am not a Rotten Tomatoes guy, but if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, it is an, a scenario where the critics all watched the first episode and gave it a bad review. Right. However, the audience score is significantly higher than it. And I think that's just because the you know, the, as the audience watches the show, you know, they they review it and you know, the, it gets better reviews than it would on you know a critic who just watches that first episode which was rather weak mm-hmm. and so you know I, I i think the show has gotten consistently better i know you have not finished the season so I, you know we, we can we won't discuss uh the conclusion of the season here but i thought it ended is the season well. over is yes. the season over yep. oh wow the season is over but it has been renewed for season two. Oh wow uh, it was only so, uh, you know it was only i think 13 episodes something like that you know um oh wow i thought a, i thought it was on a winter break as well nope it is over for the season i think the, oh, you know wow. they they because of maybe the the cost to produce or whatever, I don't know. They, but it it will be back next season. The you know the thing that the first episode annoyed me because it was just played. There there were too many scenes that were played for jokes, right? Um, I, they seem to be finding their that that magic spot where it's okay to be funny and also serious. Um, some of the things that have annoyed me about it is he and Kelly, you know, Commander Kelly. Uh, Tara from uh, from Friday Night Lights. Um, they're divorced, right? Yes. And but there are moments like uh, at the end of the court case with uh, Borda, his child, and his husband. Um, they walk out of the courtroom arm in arm like they're they're lovers or husband and wife, and that just really didn't seem right to me. It didn't seem the right choice for those actors. Yeah. Um, I, that really really bugged me. Um. But I think it's getting better. And really, I like all the other characters more than I like Seth MacFarlane in that show. I agree. And if they could fix one little thing, Paul, I would be able to say that I love the show. And that's the ship design. The ship design irritates the living tar out of me. <laughs> it's the it's it's the, the, the little three things at the back of it, the loop-de-loops. Yeah. It reminds me too much of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda with Kevin Sorbo. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just a hideous-looking ship. If they could fix that part, Paul, I'd be great. But let me tell you the ship that I love, Paul. I loves me some USS Callister. Oh, yeah. Gotta love me some USS Callister. You watched it on Black Mirror, uh, season, uh, episode one, season four? Yes. So, Holy uh, crap. <laughs> let's get some folks caught up. If you're not familiar with Black Mirror, all four seasons are now available on Netflix. It um, originally started as a show, I believe, on one of the BBC stations, not on BBC One, um, I don't believe, but uh, a very adult show, um, a modern take on Twilight Zone. However, you know, whereas Twilight Zone was kind of all over the place in terms of theme, Black Mirror is very much based in the concept of technology and how technology is affecting our world or will continue to affect our world in the future, that kind of thing. And so um, the first episode, obviously very invested in social media um, at the very beginning. And this was four years, well, more than four years ago, because I don't think they've come out consistently. Um, But this USS Callister, which is on season four, which just premiered on Netflix last week, um, at first glance appears to be a, a Star Trek homage, and you're watching it and you're like, 
huh, I don't see how this really flows with the Black Mirror and how it goes, because the Black Mirror is a very dark, disturbing show um, when it came, when it wants to be. Um, and then you understand how the technology plays into the concept of the episode. So, Aaron? I thought Jesse Plemons was fantastic in this episode. I am not familiar with that actor. And, and maybe I've he, seen him in he, other things, but I don't recall seeing him in other things. He he was in Friday Night Lights, uh, the TV show. Uh, he was also in Breaking Bad. And that's important to note because also in Breaking Bad, uh, Aaron Paul guest stars or guest appears, his voice guest appears uh, at the very end of the episode. Yes. Um, which just cracked me up. But I thought, you know, Clearly, when you saw the trailer for this, you're like, well, this is this is a send up of Star Trek. And what it is, is a, a guy's fantasy world in a gaming universe. And he makes it very dark, <laughs> very, very dark. And I, I don't want to spoil anything because it's so fresh. I just want to say that if you're a fan of Star Trek, you I, I don't think you can help but love this episode on many levels, the wink and a nod to Star Trek fandom, because Jesse Plemons is doing a straight up impersonation of William Shatner uh, in, in, in at many points in this episode. But there are so many Trek tropes. And I would say that in the dark horror that typically is Black Mirror, the optimism of Star Trek, or in this case, Space Fleet, uh, comes through. And I, 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 I thought it was great. I thought it was great the way uh, the humanity, you know, and I throw that up in air quotes because, yeah. you know, these weren't really humans. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the way these avatars, you know, used their humanity to save the day. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I thought this was brilliantly written and I am intrigued at the fact that they're talking about doing a spinoff series now. Really? Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw an interview with the director this week, and he's talking. They are talking about possibly doing a spinoff series. Wow! Wow! And I'm like, I would be totally down for that. I wonder how that concept, particularly would work since on. King of Space, right here, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that that would work on an ongoing series. I think, uh, you know, I think. I don't know. I think I'd be interested in seeing where they took the story. I, and that, I, you know, it's funny because the Black Mirror, the the episode ended and, and um, I looked at it and I was like, that ended a lot more optimistically than most Black Mirror episodes. No, I, right. Because, I mean, <laughs> usually you 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 finish watching a Black Mirror episode and, you know, like most things on Netflix, I just move on to the next episode. Yeah. I can't do it with Black Mirror. I want to open a vein. By the time I'm done with an episode and I, I usually have to walk away from the television set set and think about it for a while because, I mean, it, they're usually quite upsetting and alarming. They, they really are. They, you know, they leave yeah. you kind of thought provoked and, um, you know, maybe a little disturbed. But this one, you know, th this was this had a, a thought provoking concept. Um, you know, with the the virtual reality aspect of it and, and all that. But ultimately, it just ended up being um, an episode that that had a, a happy ending. Not spoiler. I you know see the episode. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. <laughs> but you know it, it it was a very well done, well acted, um, and you don't leave it feeling like shit like you do. I mean, if you start Black Mirror from the first episode, oh, you're gonna dear. feel like shit immediately. That's right. That's right. No holds barred. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one, well done. Um, you know, not despite the fact that it, you know, it's 
got a Star Trek homage, Star Trek parody, much like we were talking about with Tarantino, much like we're talking about Star Trek Discovery, not suitable for all ages. Um, there, there's some, there's some f bombs in there. Um, but yeah, I, and, I enjoyed and, the hell out. Certainly, of yeah, and certainly the subject matter is, uh, you know, it is is rather harsh. I, I would think that'd be hard for for a small child to watch. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I I dug it. I dug it hard, and you know, it, I, I I marvel at the success that Star Trek has on other platforms, right? So, you know, we see that uh, that something such as USS Callister on Black Mirror, that that's very successful. That has gotten just terrific reviews. It's your rave reviews on the internet right now. And we see how well the Orville is performing. And that's a straight up homage to Next Generation, up to and including the inclusion of, of uh, uh you know, Star Trek talent such as Penny Johnson, you know, yeah. who plays the doctor on the show. And we saw Robert Picardo uh, as a as a guest star in one of the episodes. We've seen other, you know, Trek alums uh, coming through there. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, in light of how Discovery has been received to date and, and the platform on which it has been launched. It makes me wonder, Paul, how how do we make CBS All Access a success? It's a fair question. Uh, I think, you know, it, 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 <laughs> I don't know that you can, um, I will say in its current state, I, I think you, you almost have to reinvent what CBS all access is. Uh, and I'm not saying it's not successful. Maybe it is. I don't, I don't feel for me as a paying customer, it's not successful for me. Um, I, I found it interesting. I read an article about CBS all access and, and this gentleman was, um, debating the merits or if he was doing something wrong by using the free month of um, CBS All Access to binge watch Star Trek Discovery and then cancel it. Because at that point, he, in his mind, he said, no one's getting paid for the episode. For, no one's getting paid for for his, for his him watching their work, right? He, he almost attributed it to piracy, saying, you know, yeah. well, I, I got it for free. I saw the entire episode or the entire season. And I canceled it. Um, and, you know, I, I think it, it, it was a well-written article, but he ultimately came to the point of saying it's not because that's the way that they offered it. Okay. Um, you know, the, 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 the CBS offered that availability to you legally to do that, understanding that that is the nature of this online streaming service. Hoping um, that you would like what you saw. And want to hold on to it. Exactly. That was, that was those were the dice they were rolling. Very much like last week when I subscribed to Scribd for all of ten minutes so I could download a document and then canceled my my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very much like that. And yeah. so I think um, we'll get into what the hell Scribd is in a minute. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, it, but the, the what one interesting fact that he made in his article, which I did not realize. Um, is that I didn't know that CBS owned Showtime. Right. And looking looking at that fact, it makes the release format of CBS All Access even more, to me, um, ridiculous. Uh, which is to say that if they wanted to release, uh, if they wanted to do a service that, if, if they wanted to release a mature pay 
paid um, service, you already have that in regards to your Showtime All Access or Showtime whatever it is that that the Showtime streaming app is. Um, why not really Star Trek Discovery there? Draw more people to your existing product rather than than create another another product. So now CBS has you've got your CBS and you've got your Showtime app, and it just seems unusual to me that they would do that. Um, it, separately uh it, it i mean it's, i get it it's a money grabbing move now you have to pay for both if you want both instead of just one or the other but it just seems um it seems a recipe it, a lot of people complained about the release format of star trek discovery so i'm surprised that one they stuck with it and two that they did it in the way they did well i gotta say as someone who, who subscribes to showtime it annoys me that uh, i'm having to pay for both right now yeah uh, it seems like at a minimum i should be getting a discount on one right um but that said, I feel like the big issue that CBS All Access has right now is that they don't have enough original content to the platform that, you know, it too, it's too easy for people who signed on just for Star Trek Discovery to say, OK, well, I'm going to let my uh, subscript my subscription lapse until the rest of the uh, second ba- the, the, the back half of the season is done and then I'll binge it and then cancel it again. I think what you the reason why people are able to do that is that there's no content out there that anybody's interested in. And so if you're building your house with Star Trek fans, it seems to me like the thing you do is offer more Star Trek content. And you know, you've got all of these living actors uh, who performed in various iterations of Star Trek. Why not do some stuff with those guys? Why not do, you know, a, a, a little mini series between the different the various seasons of Star Trek Discovery so that it becomes more of a pain in the ass to cancel your subscription than it would be just to hold on to it to capture that new content? Well, I think because let me, we're get, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do think we are getting that right there. there there's the rumored con show. The, I, I think, unfortunately, there was just too much of a um, of hesitation with Star Trek as a property because. Uh, you know, they, they, they had to put out that first show and now that they see it's doing well, now they can invest in more, more stuff. Well, I think that, uh, I think the problem that you're going to run into there is that number one, we haven't heard confirmation that anything is really happening with con. Right. Um, and two, I think it's kind of low hanging fruit to do something with your existing actors. I think, you know, you still got actors who, who are ready to work. You've got your Terry Farrell's who, you know, her character's dead, but <laughs> you've got, uh, you know, Michael Dorn. I mean, who wouldn't love to watch a, 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 a show with Michael Dorn back as Worf and, you know, uh, William Frakes, you've got a lot of these guys who are still working, uh, who would be great characters to have in these shows. Um, I even saw one guy pitch, what about a Captain Worf with first officer seven of nine? You know, and I know that's all a little fanish, but, you know, these guys are beloved by the uh, by the fandom. Why wouldn't you do that? I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Well, maybe they will. Just not yet. And, you know, the thing that I marvel at and this is I'm going to bring it back to Orville, Paul. They built those sets for one episode. Those sets were gorgeous. They did they did location shooting at the the Canary Islands, I think, uh, for the for the the uh, uh, away mission, right? Um, they did location shots. They built those sets for one show. Hmm. Same budget that they tip. They didn't get an increased budget. They had the same kind of budget, same amount of time yeah. that they typically have. They had a twenty-one day shoot. He wanted twenty-eight days. They gave him twenty-one days. 
I'm amazed at what they accomplished with that. And, you know, money, the, you know, used to the money was made in reruns, right? You, you went syndication, you, you, you know, make your money back and that kind of thing. Well, you're making your money now in subscriptions and that continual streaming. I think it's worth the money. I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a, a Hollywood producer, but I think you can make that kind of thing work. I think that model would work. And I wish, I wish that they would embrace that. I wish they'd hire some, some, you know, satisfy your fans and give them some old school trick. Give them some, some TNG and some DS9. Give them some of that, that, some of that old school goodness, right? And let these other things happen as well. Because Star Trek's a big tent. There's a lot of, there's a lot that you can entertain people with there. Yeah. I know that you, that you, you made the argument that you can't keep Trek the way it was for it to survive. And I agree. You can't continue to provide the same type of stories over and over again and hope to grow your fan base. But what you can do is nurture your fan base while doing these other things. And I think that's how you do that. I don't disagree. I think we've, we've, we've talked in our first couple of episodes that quite frankly, I think CBS all access is, is, is crap. Um, I think it's yeah. I, I think it's a failed concept. Yeah. It, Despite it, the fact that I'm so fed up with the commercials, I'm upgrading this week, so I don't have to watch the tenth episode of Star Trek Discovery. Tenth, is that right? I believe so. Yeah, tenth episode of Star Trek Discovery uh, with the commercials because this one, Paul, this one's directed by William Frakes. Yes, Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Sorry. Yeah, John. Yeah, we're, William Riker, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, don't get yeah. the two. <laughs> <laughs> it's fire at Will Riker himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Aaron just typecasted him in that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're William Frakes. <laughs> William T. Frakes. Uh, so like Lopi Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the next episode of Discovery is actually coming up this weekend, January seventh, uh, called "Despite Yourself," or I should say, titled "Despite Yourself," directed by Star Trek: The Next Generation's Jonathan Frakes. I'm I'm super excited about that. Yes, I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, has there even been a trailer for this episode released? I have not seen it. Huh, that's if surprising. there is a trailer, there is a trailer, I have not seen it. Yeah, same here, which uh, I guess I probably should have looked up before we, we started chatting. But um, yeah, I don't believe there is because it would be yeah. good to know where this... I'm I'm curious to see where this episode goes since, um, you know, they, they left us on such a cliffhanger. Uh, very curious to see what that cliffhanger meant and uh, what where the story is going to go, especially with Jonathan Frakes coming back to it. Yeah. If, and I can't wait. And if you have not signed up for your CBS All Access yet, and you're curious about Star Trek Discovery, I would say go ahead and wait another week or two, and then you can binge, because I think there's only five episodes, six episodes? I think um, it's five. Five episodes in this coming batch, and you when you sign up, there's a, you can typically find like a free month of CBS All Access uh, online. And so you, you sign up for your one-month trial of CBS All Access, and you legit get the entire to watch the entire season, um, you know, in, in your free trial. So maybe something worth looking into. If you, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you probably have checked out Star Trek Discovery. Though we have heard from some listeners that they haven't, and they just want to listen to Keep Current um, and and hear what our thoughts are on on Star Trek in general. But uh, if you're interested, CBS All Access. With only five episodes to go, give it another week or two, then you can get the entire season in your uh, free trial. 
Pretty exciting stuff, Paul. So, you know, obviously you and I are going to be back next week while you're still snowed in yes. to talk about, uh, despite yourself, William Frakes's uh, <laughs> directing uh, Star Trek Discovery. Um, Paul? Uh-huh. I hope you don't freeze to death tonight. Hey, I'm me too. Feel, I'll feel bad about about you if I do. But I, if so, we'll audition new co-hosts right here next week for Star Trek with Aaron and some guy who's not dead. <laughs> hey, but uh, <laughs> speaking of which, if you want to um, contribute to a future episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Wildcard, um, <laughs> give us a call on the IOM Geek Hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Or you can send us an audio file at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at IOM... No, at Ideology Madness on Instagram at IOMGeek. Um, or on Facebook, uh, IOM Geek. All sorts of ways you can reach us. We'd love to feature your voice on a future episode um, and hear your thoughts on this episode and Star Trek Discovery. Awesome, Paul. Make go 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 check life support. I will make sure that make sure that you're diverting power from shields to life support because uh, a little worried about you. I'm gonna I'm gonna revert it to heat. Yeah, and just remember, you know, as you're sitting there being cold and all, you feel that warmth come over you. That's how you feel right before you freeze to death. Oh, good. All right, good to know. Important to remember. Important to remember. (laughs) I will keep that in mind. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, unlike me, live long and prosper. (laughs) Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Try Scullion Trays, no troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.